0: So Who cares about what people think about
2: us. Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it.
0: Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson, and hmm, we need some like intro music. Mike renner is with us back pff draft expert
1: we could have uh, we could have put Mike's head up on the, the oh, windows we could <laughs> have put a face Mike's all silhouette with the hair
0: glad we didn't <laughs> uh, we need to get get renner's face back up here this is like a throwback if for long time listeners 2017 we did the uh, the three-way dance here yeah for the pff nfl podcast so oh yeah in back, the renner. tiny room Yeah, those are always fun we'd squeeze in to the podcast the room and fight for our takes you know it was tough with the three-way dance so mike's the uh, the co-host of two for one drafts mm-hmm. check it out which is uh, yeah go check it out it's anywhere getting rave
1: reviews i hear oh
2: yeah and if if you listen and maybe leave a review I maybe this, you get a draft guide oh yeah we can't nice. really see you guys
0: give out draft guides on that possibly if you to certain the best reviews we get. How many pages are we up to on the draft guide? I was pushing it was 477 on the first iteration. Now it's. Oh, I don't like to say pages because I feel like that's almost intimidating when it's
2: like, oh, I got to oh, read really? 500 pages. People don't like to read. So, <laughs> oh, you don't, well, at least I don't like to you read. You have to learn how to so make I think. i, I say the number 51. of players: 200 players. 200 okay. Players. You get all the data on 200 players. Times like There's only pages. 250 get drafted or so. So, pretty much everyone that's going to get drafted by the time it's fully finished, if you get a subscription, 300 players. Team pages. You won't find this anywhere else.
1: And you don't think the people are capable of doing the math in their head that, like, if there's 200 players and a couple of pages on each one, there's there's a lot of pages. But then thing. it's like,
2: I'm not reading. It doesn't feel like reading. It feels like
1: uh, experiencing. experiencing. It's yeah. like an, ex- like it's an it.
0: encyclopedia, though. You're not going to read the whole encyclopedia. You're just yeah, going to reference right. it. You're going to you dip in it. the, the yeah. bit that you need. and, and out. Anyway, the draft guide's great. It's a part of your PFF Edge or Elite subscription. So go check that out over at PFF.com. We're having Mike on here because he is our, our new draft expert. Took my job a couple of years ago. I will say it's not new anymore, Steve. This happened a while ago. That's all it. new. Get yeah. over it. <laughs> it's all new. It's all new to me. Um, so we want to, we want to speak high level about the draft. It'll be like the PFF NFL podcast kicking off draft season with a high level view of the draft, strengths and weaknesses, and the whole deal. So draft, talk, discuss. Now let's Go.
2: It. It's good to hear quarterbacks. <laughs> quarterbacks are the, the story of this draft, in my opinion, and the offseason in general. But yeah. it is like one, two, three on our draft board are all quarterbacks. That's not happened before.
0: And Trevor Lawrence is at the top. Yeah. Well, so let's let's discuss Trevor first. How good is he? And was there any debate for anyone else? Sitting no, at the top.
2: There's not a debate. He's that good. And don't get me wrong; these guys are talented. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance have. All these, all like tools for days. Like they are all absurd, absurdly talented for what you want at the quarterback position. But Trevor Lawrence is in his own right and has also played the game at just a different level in the areas that kind of project to the NFL. Like he operates that offense, the timing that he plays with, getting to his reads, avoiding pressure, protecting his offensive line, like doing the things you are going to have to do in the NFL. He does already, and at a very high level. Like you just haven't seen guys this NFL ready since we started grading
1: how much of the what what separates lawrence with wilson in particular right because wilson's number two on our board wilson's season this year was special pff grade insane his arm is special there's a lot to like with wilson i think the closer we get to the draft the more you're going to start seeing people even if it's just the hipster's choice Mm -hmm. putting wilson
2: above lawrence in some drafts yeah if you told me that Zach Wilson the theoretical arm talent you know arm strength plus accuracy is like arm talent he might have the best arm talent in the draft class he the ball goes where he wants it to go to anywhere even like 50 yards past off the line platform of platform yeah. to
0: like the whole thing when,
2: whenever like it goes where he wants it to go he just played in the BYU offense and the level of competition and only one year of it where you just don't feel as confident like he didn't have to face blitzes he didn't have to face pressure with that BYU offensive line the defense he faced that just wasn't a thing that factored in. That's going to be different in the NFL. He's right. going to have to manipulate pockets. He's going to have to do different things. He's going to have to work a lot quicker than he did at BYU. Whereas Trevor Lawrence, like, he didn't have a good offense line this year. His receivers were not nearly as good as they've been in the past. Like, they're fine, but he was not working with, you know, a first round type of wide receiver that he knew could get open every single play and was
0: still like working magic in that offense. So my question was coming into the season like trevor lawrence is one of those guys that was like the the wire to wire number one overall pick right like you saw him play one game as a true freshman and you're like all right that's it this is the guy he's a future number one overall but then of course along the way it's like all right you know there's always some indecision or someone else will bring something up so coming into the season there was some debate about justin fields Mm -hmm. potentially being the number one overall guy from ohio state so with fields First off, how how did you get to Wilson over Fields? When did you make that call? Because you you finalize these this yeah. draft board here. You take input, but I mean it's it's, yeah. it's your numbers, it's your rankings here. How did we get to F- Wilson over Fields, and what ha- was Fields ever close to Trevor Lawrence in your mind? Fields was going into the season like if he would have played,
2: if he would have had the season that Zach Wilson did, where it's just wire to wire of no faults, he could have been in the conversation with Trevor Lawrence. He obviously did not, you know, shit the bed against Northwestern, uh, did not play well whatsoever in that game, also against Indiana. Showed that was a number of mistakes. Like there are issues on his tape that are real and that are concerning when projecting the NFL. Still, the talent level is insane. But the Zach Wilson, the biggest like difference is just the amount of kind of the um, degree of difficulty. Yes, it was at BYU. And yes, it was not the best competition. yes, he had a good offensive line. But you can still judge how difficult the throws he were making, was making were. And night and day, between, like I said, anyone else in the country, he made more high-level throws that are projectable to the NFL than anyone else at the quarterback position this year into tight windows. His grade into tight windows this year was better than Joe Burrows was last year. So And Burrows, yeah. And Burrows, it. yeah, as good as it gets be- that we had seen before that. So Zach Wilson, that was the biggest differentiator to me.
0: Were you surprised when you went through Wilson's tape that that's what you saw? I mean, obviously you're keeping tabs with the NFL, with the college season. It's not like you hadn't seen him, but there's a difference yeah. between like watching and then like really going through the film. And that was when we said, okay, he's, he's number two, man. He's behind Lawrence. Were you surprised at how much you liked Wilson when he went through? Yeah, I was because obviously wasn't even
2: really on radars going into this year. Um, a lot of that's because he had the shoulder injury the year prior of the torn labrum that it wasn't quite completely rehab from. And that i expected his tape to look more like mac jones's where it's just like oh that guy's wide open that's 80 yards that's whatever and it wasn't whatsoever like he was not the guys he's hitting downfield like yeah it wasn't the best competition at cornerbacks that he's necessarily worried about but like they were still in hip pockets of his wide receivers he didn't have the most talented wide receivers and he's hitting them in stride where the ball needs to be and so yeah i was very floored when i watched his tape like in
0: totality what about mac jones who you mentioned there um do you think and you know from a pff standpoint if we look back being were we too low on josh allen were we too low on justin herbert in general the toolsy guys mm-hmm. seem to be working patrick mahomes i guess at an extreme example where does mac jones stand there are you concerned about tua and how he looked this year and how much do you connect those dots right alabama and system and this incredible group yeah. of receivers with Mac Jones.
2: I know I'm definitely concerned about Tua. He wasn't until a guy's shown me he's good. You, you don't have great <laughs> faith that he's going to be good. You know, like he, there were issues. I, I thought there are reason to be encouraged and I'm not giving up on him. It wasn't Josh Rosen-esque rookie year. It wasn't, you know, complete nothing. There, there were reasons to be encouraged, but it wasn't, he wasn't overcoming a situation by any means. Like it wasn't like Joe Burrow, Not a great situation with that offensive line. He obviously overcame it at times, like showed a lot to be encouraged about. Mac Jones is just, it was too easy. And there are throws, like there are even like positives on his tape in terms of like, plays that result in like 80, 90 yard touchdowns where it's just like, that's not really a good throw. Like it's only, it only results in that because he had a window that's probably 20 yards long that he could have fitted into. And it's just, when he goes to senior bowl, and more controlled environment, none of that schematic or talent advantage, it's hard to go through that week of practice tape and be like, that guy was obviously better than Kellen Mond there. Like, yeah. uh, like that much better than Kellen Mond. Obviously, like his play over the course of his career at Alabama was, but he, there's nothing that really separates him in that regard. And I think when you don't have, in this day and age in the NFL, when you don't have strong arm, and when you don't have escapability in the pocket, that's a lot like you're you're just limiting yourself like your ceiling's Kirk Cousins at that point like like, <laughs> and you should do better than Kirk like you're, you should set your sights higher than a guy like that so that's why it's just a little lower on your board like still could be a good serviceable NFL quarterback but like is that worth are we just
1: are we just in this world now where if you're coming from that Alabama offense over the past couple of seasons given how ridiculously easy it is and you know 1.2 is throwing to four first round wide receivers right yeah do you just need to be like we just need to drop that guy because just because of the unknown yeah. right? it's like playing Madden on rookie mode right it's just too easy it's not that you can't play it on a, a greater difficulty but there's no way of knowing
0: but, but but on the other hand too the guys that have developed well at the NFL level the last couple of years Patrick Mahomes didn't have a great situation Josh Allen didn't have a great situation Justin Herbert didn't have a great situation a Dak online. Prescott didn't have a good situation yeah And all those guys became really good NFL quarterbacks, and has that clouded the evaluation process a little bit?
2: I think there is something to – like I remember when Daniel Jones coming out. I said once he gets to the NFL, it's going to be easier. Like they are – you're getting better practice by playing with worse talent in college football. Right. You're practicing bad habits when you're at Alabama and you're Mac Jones, and you're running concepts that are – you're just – not going to be able to run yeah. at the very minimum the it isn't helping yes like you, you're you're almost ingraining um kind of like with Carson Wentz in Philly he had such a good offensive line that it ingrained in him bad habits about what he can do in the pocket he had time he yeah could, he could and play then, slower as soon really. as that went away the, the you just and not even to like a bad level to like a mediocre level across the NFL he turns into a pumpkin
1: have you so this run of toolsy quarterbacks working out, do you think two things? One, do you think that's actually a trend that is something that's changing in the NFL level and we should be thinking about how we evaluate draft quarterbacks differently going forward or have we just gone on a run of those guys working out? And secondly, is that gonna change the way people look at Trey Lance in particular and say, okay, in this year, more than other years, given the recent history of, of guys working out, this is actually somebody we should be pushing up draft boards as opposed to you know five years ago where we'd be saying look that guy's raw as hell we're not going
2: near that this early i think it's a trend because i think offenses have realized how to tap into that better like the offenses that guys are right now in the nfl use their quarterback's mobility like use them as rushing threats josh allen obviously in that offense I even mean, obviously when the play patrick mahomes got hurt on against the browns he was running a speed option like that They're taking advantage. NFL teams are far more willing to take advantage of that. And then with the way offenses are run being play-action heavy and having to attack areas down the football field that maybe they weren't in prior years. Arm strength gives you so much leeway on a 40-yard throw when you can put it there on a line than when it has to be arced in terms of the timing and the window you have that, like, Patrick Mahomes is not a top three most accurate quarterback in the NFL. He might not even be top five in terms of just, like, the ball going where it needs to go, like, where he wants it to go. But his arm is so strong, and he can do it from anywhere, and he knows where to how to operate within the timing of that offense that when the window is big enough, you have a lot of leeway, and he gives himself a lot of leeway with how strong that arm is. So I do think, like I said, NFL offenses are catering better to guys with that skill set, and it's opening up a lot more. So Jake Locker got a raw deal.
1: Well, not he just a—but go back further, right? Can yeah. you imagine, like— Go back and watch what the Falcons were doing with Michael Vick Vick, and be like, what were you playing at? You just stuck this guy in a West Coast offense. That was
0: the worst headline I ever read. And
1: then built like a couple of, you know, rush options off. Like, it's ridiculous. You put Michael Vick in this draft, the the breadth of the NFL's capability of actually doing something with
2: that is just light years ahead of where it was 20 years ago. I remember when we graded, a while ago we graded 2006 we went back and graded it's probably like my like third or fourth year pf I maybe like 2015 and a vince young they ran two option plays the first drive with vince young in the tennessee game against the colts they went for like 15 yards and like 25 yards Yeah. they didn't run another option the rest of <laughs> the game and it was like a basic because they exhausted zone, like the, the two yes, that they had like they had run it was the basic like zone read and then that was it after that yeah and like
1: that and they, and there was no like there was no connection between those exactly. option plays that they were running and the passing of the concepts it's just Oh, we've got Vince Young. We need to give him an option run somewhere. <laughs> Let's just call one and then go yeah. back to the standard, you know, play that we're exactly. running in the past game.
0: Like, there's no difference between Vince Young and like Jalen Hurts, right? As as players, I mean, Jalen no. Hurts is getting hyped up as Young's the better. future in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, Vince Young, another guy I think that got hosed by the era that he came into the league.
0: You might like I call it the J T Barrett theory, I'm trying to get this to catch on. Um, J T Barrett had a game I'm at too. Ohio State a couple of years ago where he was like 9 for 23 and just terrible, right? But he ran 16 times for 100, 100 yards, couple touchdowns. And it was like you can still add value. In a, in a horrible passing attack, you could still add value. And you can have these terrible games that are still somewhat good offense, even yeah. though it looks ugly. I feel like we, there are going to be a few teams. And Jalen Hurts has a little bit of that. Taysom Hill has some of that, where it's this like ugly stat line that still produces. I think there's more of that now too, right? In in today's NFL.
2: Yeah, I've said it for a while. If you have a rushing threat like that a quarterback, it's a high floor. You have yeah, given yourself yep. a good running game at the very least. Yep.
1: And and the reverse is, I think, becoming true as well, right? If everything we've just been saying in terms of teams are better at dealing with these athletes now and taking advantage of what they do and providing that high floor. And that's why these toolsy guys are working out more, the old style statuesque pocket passer is becoming less valuable it's becoming less you need to be so good yeah you need to be that right you you need to be 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 so good at being just a immobile pocket passer for you to work out and that happening like day one in the nfl is really hard those guys you need to buy yourself the margin for error by being able to run around and do other things that raises your floor if you're a mac jones right and even if you are amazing within the pocket like that guy can't move you need to be so incredible at all the other stuff for you to be as good as these other guys but yeah really quick the
0: the guys that have we've missed on the guys that the nfl's missed on in recent years are sam darnold doesn't do a ton outside he's got some outside the pocket magic but but not great josh rosen dwayne haskins guys who really don't do a lot outside of structure right yeah yeah also bisky that one Triple could run that's what I mean. Trubisky that, can that one only take the is Yeah, but that kinda problem.
1: that kinda slaps your theory a little bit.
0: So yeah, what I was saying earlier, the worst headline I've ever re- read was like Michael Vick, you know, they're gonna they're gonna put him in the West Coast offense. They tried the to make Michael, Michael Vick, Vick into Joe Montana. Or yeah. Steve Young, however you wanna view that. Yeah. Uh, was, but I think the NFL is much better today <laughs> yeah. at yeah. not just putting a guy into a system, building the system around the quarterback. So All
1: right, Mike, talk wide receivers. Um we're gonna start with the Alabama receivers, right? Yeah. Now First of all, am I right in essentially comparing them to the last year's duo and saying Devontae Smith is a rough analog for Jerry Judy and Jalen Waddle is a rough analog for Henry Ruggs? It's the same thing over again in the first round.
2: Uh, yeah,
1: that's fine. Okay.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think that's crazy.
1: Now, explain to me why you haven't learned the lesson from last year and you have
2: Jalen Waddle above Devontae Smith. Oh, I. Well, so I had Judy over okay. Ruggs last all right. year. Okay. Waddle. Is a very different player than Henry Ruggs. Like, Ruggs was. It wasn't productive <laughs> yeah. at, at Alabama. It just wasn't. Just and there's a reason. But how much of that is
1: because speed. when he was there, there were four of those guys, whereas when Waddle was this year, certainly, there was just him and Smith
2: left? Um, no, Waddle's just like a different l- type of athlete. They're both very fast. There's a reason why Jalen Waddle has been their kick returner ever since he was true freshman year, because he's also dynamic. Like, he also. Henry Ruggs broke tackles by running, running in a people. straight line, yeah. like how Paris Campbell broke tackles. So it's just like, I'm fast and you're not, your angle's gonna be bad and you're gonna hit my legs and it's not gonna matter. <laughs> yeah. Jalen Waddle can shake you, he can do a lot of different things and he also oh runs like a low four three. Like, and has also has a ton of contested catches on his tape, attacks the ball really well. I love going back and watching some of his high school tape where he played cornerback and some of the hits he laid on guys. Like that physicality that you need to play the wide receiver position is there with Jalen Waddle. And oh, by the way, in their last seven healthy games, he produced more
0: than Devontae Smith, yards-wise. Okay. So. All right. In 2018, when all four of those guys were there, Waddle had the highest grade. Yeah. Of, of, of those, those guys. His yards per route for his career is, I think, the highest in the class. Now, Sam, who loves Jerry Judy, mm-hmm. I mean, to the point where it's been memed. Uh, we have a whole meme account. Mike, I don't yeah. know if you've seen it. Yeah, PFF, so NFL doing podcast like other people. Account. Okay, yeah, yeah. There are memes about sam's love for jerry judy Mm -hmm. and he comes out here the other day and i couldn't even believe it and says he likes devontae smith more than his guy jerry judy i could not even believe that sam landed at that take your thoughts i disagree with it i could see
2: why there's things that devontae smith does a lot better he is better in contested situations and gets a bigger catch radius he's similarly dynamic i don't think he's near the route pure route runner and then you also add the size factor that it just matters more when you get to the NFL. I don't care who you are, 175 pounds is going to show up more unsafe when you're in the NFL than it does in college. And especially like how they used him in college where he could be anywhere in any given play and there was no, like, yeah, obviously you'd like to use them in that way in the NFL, but if a lot of times in the NFL, your ex is just lined up on the, wide, on the edge of the offensive line. Now he did that more as a junior, but just lined up and asked to beat guys one-on-one I don't know if I like his skills at winning one-on-one to me aren't as good as your juice. But that's
1: like agreed. That's like his one flaw though, right? Is that he's built like a chopstick Mm -hmm. and at some point you anticipate that's probably going to be an issue at the NFL level because most people are not built like that, that play at that kind of level. But to me, it's one of those things where, yeah, I can, I definitely get why it's a concern, but it's one of those things where if you can't really see it on the, on tape being an issue and granted alabama is a lot harder to find those yeah. plays than it will be in the nfl i'm not buying into it too much when you looked at andy isabella and you watched his tape you're like anytime anybody touches that guy it's a problem yeah. you don't see the same thing with Devonte smith
2: no i i i agree with that we're more just splitting hairs about the high end here it's just like yeah. Devontae smith's awesome
0: i don't want to like poke too many holes in this game for clarity, but we're just saying we're, for clarity our, our wide receiver board right now has Jamar Chase, number one wide receiver, number five overall on the board. Jalen Waddell, number seven on the board. Devontae Smith, number eight. So we have three receivers in the top ten. Which brings me to my next question. Last year, it was about Ruggs, Judy, and CD Lamb. I think we had you on the show before the season, and you said, look, this class might be better yeah. for wide receivers than last year's really, really good class that turns out Justin Jefferson was the best guy as a rookie. Mm-hmm. How does this class compare to last year's with this incredible influx of wide receiver talent out the last few seasons? It's close. I'm not I'm not going to say it's
2: better. I think if Chris Olave would have declared it would have been better. But the top of the class, I think, is I feel better about. Like, these guys don't have a lot of question marks. Jamar Chase, yeah. Jalen Wild, Devontae Smith. Uh, like, with Judy and Lamb, Lamb wasn't the fastest. Judy was kind of skinny, didn't face a lot of press coverage, didn't have, you know – dealing with physicality whatever that was kind of question mark then jamar chase 19 years old ball in this you see they're like 210 pounds jalen waddle much more dynamic version of henry rugs without the production concerns Devonte smith i mean the only knocks realistically on him are just size and age at this point what, so
0: what about speed because before the season I disagree with senior him, bowls yeah. jim nagy came out and said he what did he say he said he four, ran like five. four or five right people
1: are going to people are going to nitpick jamar chase and davante smith for speed particularly when Waddle is in this first round at the same time it's going to be the henry Ruggs thing all over again it's like you've got two guys that were demonstrably better and we're going to go with the guy that runs a 4-2 yeah
0: i liked my initial take on jamar chase was that he was like a bigger antonio brown which is you know, antonio brown yeah. runs four five right but, like he's not that fast but he just knows how to get open mm-hmm. and i'm watching chase more and more i think jordy nelson might be a pretty good like he just knows how to get open and he's in, yeah. at every level of the field he's gonna be good I am curious to see if 40 times, if they run them, right. which is another thing, if they run them, if, if speed is gonna be- I mean, be they'll run them, but we'll
1: guys. be back to this world of like, quick, run the frames on it, because this is yeah. its pro day, and who the hell knows how long that 40 is. Yeah. Jason Prodez,
0: though, ran a 4-4 back last spring, so. I didn't think he felt fast, but there's at times where you could, you could see it. Yeah. Uh, my other question, got two guys ranked in the 20s, Rondell Moore at 25 on the board, and Kadarius oh, Toney no. at 27. We're talking dudes who are five. Uh, I mean, Moore is five nine. Tony's listed at six feet. Mm-hmm. Seem, he's just smaller. He's a little younger at the position. What are your thoughts on those guys? It's an awesome slot receiver cl-
2: class. Like those gadget guys. There's so many dynamic guys in that mold. Not even just those two. Also, k Johnson from South Dakota State, Jalen Darden from North Texas, Tutu Atwell from Louisville. All those guys in a similar speed slot, kind of like KJ Hamler was last year, where he went second. Uh, Moore is just. I think Moore can win on the outside. Is the other thing. This he's, is Elijah Moore. This is Rondell oh, Moore. Excuse oh, me. Oh, Rondell.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: I think Rondell Moore can win on the outside. I think yeah. Elijah Moore might be able to too. He, I mean, he led the nation. Broke tackles as a true freshman. He's got a 42 inch vertical. He's jacked out of his mind. Like he, he is a true freak of nature. He's not. He's short, but he is not small. Rondell Moore, and he like and his route running ability is really good they just produce offense didn't ask him to run routes because they didn't have a quarterback they knew was gonna be able to hit him so they just said yeah okay we'll just run slants and screens and we'll just give the ball to you so that we don't have to worry about that in between you know so it's tough like he's the guy you just wish would have gone to a different school you know he goes to ohio state he might be a top 10 pick right now
0: how much every year the copycat league stuff comes up and i think you know, There was a reason why Henry Ruggs went number one uh, among wide receivers last year. Because oh, the Raiders were picking that. Well the, Ra- <laughs> and, well, the Raiders said, we want our Tyreek Hill. Like, yes. We want a guy yeah. that challenges the defense. And yeah. at the top of the draft, Jalen Waddles, that speed guy potentially. Yeah. But is Rondell Moore the guy where people are going to say, ah, he's our Tyreek Hill. We're going to use him as such and then develop him into a defense. Oh, part. yeah.
2: People are going to see him and see Tyreek Hill for their offense. And honestly, of these guys, I think Jalen Waddles probably faster Rondale has the shiftiness of a Tyree Kill that kind of makes Tyree Kill, Tyree Kill.
1: You, your comp not for Chris him Smith. was Steve Smith,
2: right? Steve I, Smith. I, I like that him. one.
1: You signed off on mine, though, which was, or not mine, the one I stole from the guy that I can't remember the name rugby, of every yeah. time, Jerry Tawai, the rugby player. Yeah. And I'm, I'm all for it. Anytime we can have a cross-sport comp, which is not the only one in this draft. You also have another
2: cross-sport comp. Oh, yeah. I had, who was it? The linebacker from Virginia, Charles Snowden, who's on the two-point Draft pod there you go. Uh, Kawhi leonard because he's six foot six Kawhi has leonard. 35 inch arms not he does look he's also not a football yeah player. he's, he's, he's just, i mean long. Yeah. he's yeah. really long he looks yeah. ridiculous yeah
0: and right. i you know you didn't use my comp for uh chaz surat which was bobby boucher from the mm. water boy that's how it's plays. that's how he plays linebacker and i think that should be in the draft guide <laughs> and i don't see it in there and maybe in the next update we'll or, get the bobby who Boucher. the Cop linebacker from the replacements.
1: Yes, yes, yes. What is that guy? It's
0: See, we need Bateman? to start. Bateman. Yeah, Bateman. Bateman yeah. Listen, you've done a really good job with player comps because they're they're difficult. It's it, it, there's there's a lot not a lot of one for ones, and Give I think we bomb. need to expand the palette to Hollywood <laughs> and to <laughs> other sports. And I think that's how you keep it fresh. Like right. Anytime you can have a draft I get the sunshine comp. All right, used to get the sunshine yeah. comp a lot.
1: When you can get a draft comp yeah. to a fictional character,
0: I think you're doing it well. We should talk about how you did cut your hair and. Oh yeah, last time i was on the
2: pilot yeah i mean you did
0: you had a trevor lawrence flow going i mean th- how old are you now 30 yeah this just feels like hey ladies i'm ready to settle down now like there's <laughs> some seriousness to your game right now it's uh it actually was just
2: it was summertime and it was oh, really hot that's why i cut my hair when i was younger and as well pure yeah. laziness i was just like reach it the be point. easier if yeah. i
1: don't have it. Re- the summer with the long hair it's not good i don't it's know nice. what that does under your beehive thing it's not great in the summer gets a
0: little frizzy and you don't look like you get much sun though i'll just say (laughs) wow (laughs) last time guest mike renner (laughs) Uh, Uh. one other playmaker i want to discuss speaking of player comps that are really difficult kyle Mm -hmm. pitts from florida 6'6 240 a tight end Do we even call him a tight end? Remember early in the season, Bruce Arians was talking about Rob Gronkowski. He's like, he's a tight end. He blocks. Like, if Kyle Pitts goes to that type of team, he's in trouble. You have to treat this guy uniquely. I think he can be respected as an inline blocker.
2: He's not complete, utter liability. He has improved a lot this year. And he's still only uh, 20 years old, I believe. Like, he'll be 20 years old when he starts next fall. So he's a young guy. So there's, like, George Kittle coming out was 23, I want to say. Yeah. You know, so like... When a guy comes out and is an inline blocker that's 23 versus 20, we talk about that with offensive alignment all the time. How big a development he could get there? Like he could get there as an inline blocker. So I'm not writing him off in that regard. As a receiver, though, other guys can't get to where he is as a receiver because physically, it's just different. Now he's not. You he might not run a four-four. He might only run like a four-six. Travis Kelsey ran a four-six-one. He's if you're sub like four-six-five. If you're running in the receiver range. That's where you need to be at the tight end position. He has the, all the other sort of movement skills, the ability to run routes like a wide receiver that you want to see. If you just consider him a wide receiver, he's ninth on our draft board right now, he really wouldn't drop yeah. much further from that position. That's how good he is.
1: It feels like the
2: NFL, that's probably
1: an issue in terms of like there aren't many of those guys, but the NFL doesn't feel great still at those tweener wide receiver tight end guys that could legitimate, They're positionless right they're not really a tight end they're not really a wide receiver they're somewhere in the middle and if you dial that in right it's completely uncoverable but they don't seem to quite have it figured out yet in terms of what to do with them
2: i i I think it's the guys who aren't the tweeners that really are the successful ones the guys who if you just consider them wide receivers i think that's the biggest thing is with a lot of tight ends why a lot of tight ends bust like oj howard tj Hopkinson, you're not getting your bang for your buck Because they can't go out and split wide and go one-on-one against cornerback and win. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you have – I always go back to Charles Woodson against the Cowboys back in the early part of the decade and Jason Witten. They could just say, I'm going to have Charles Charles Woodson guard guard Jason Witten, and then Jason Witten's gone. Right. right? He's not going to be able to separate against Charles Woodson. If you have a guy that that's not the case about, and that to me is Kyle Pitts. I mean, he was beating Derek Stingley last year one-on-one. You have a guy that's not the case about, and that's Travis Kelsey. I mean, we saw him beat uh, Denzel Ward in the playoffs yeah. on a whip route. It's just like if you have a guy that that's not the case about, then you have that holy
0: grail. And not just that beat that him, we'll leave him
1: on the floor. Yeah.
0: To be fair, who are those guys in the NFL in the that's last what I'm ten saying. years? There's Gronk, Kelsey, Kittle, Kittle. and, and maybe, maybe Darren Waller maybe. now, well, yeah. right? And and we've talked about Waller. Maybe I don't know if that's what you put in the guide mm-hmm. for Pitts, but maybe the closest cop for. Yeah. Uh, a kyle pitts right
2: yes that's who i have in the guide and we really haven't seen that guy that polished coming out of college which is the other thing you know kelsey goes second round Kittle all the way to the fifth waller was a wide receiver before he you know added a lot of muscle um we really haven't seen a guy like pitts like the rarity of him as a prospect is different than anything we've seen
0: at least and you're you're an anti first round tight end guy yes because of that because right this is this is one of your theories but i like the way you described it if you can be that true joker jack of all trades whoever, whatever you want to say mm-hmm. you could beat a cornerback one-on-one then there's five guys in the world that do that consistently and you're saying pitts is one of those guys therefore yes he's top 10.
2: yeah and um, honestly depending on the offense you're going to run and how you're going to utilize it like if you tell me that you, i'm going to utilize this guy like travis kelsey if i'm an offense coordinator that's something that i could fit in my offense I, I might even take him above guys like jamar chase guys like Devontae smith because that is so, I think we've seen with Kansas City, that's so valuable. That guy that is such a mismatch. It does, regard.
1: yeah. It does feel like his ceiling is insanely high, but mm-hmm. there is that sort of worry about how many teams in the NFL are capable of
0: access. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, there's still a lot of teams that are like, look, you're a tight end. You're going to block right. the backside. You know, you're going to block the tight end backside on mm-hmm. inside zone, which is like a near impossible block, too. And they, it's just their offense, it's what they run. By the way, I like Pitts a lot to Carolina, given what they have with uh carolina's going quarterback. going quarterback they need a quarterback but i'm yeah. just saying if they yeah if they had a quarterback to add a pits to dj moore and yeah. to um I robbie like, anderson i like pits
2: to san francisco would be incredible oh, gosh because that makes Him them that makes them unstoppable because they you, with the run game and what with they do in the run game you have two tight ends always on the field and Iuke, but it's like it can it can be four wide if they want it you know two tight ends could look like four wide
1: i mean if they that group to, of too. that group of receivers would be ridiculous and yeah completely unprecedented let's like, call Bobby slow
0: right now and plant the seed like nobody yeah.
1: would ever have had anything like that collection of talent in NFL history four guys that are all run after the catch monsters that are all almost all sort of some type of tweener or at least unconventional skill set mm-hmm. for the position that would be absurd
2: then you'd be fine with Jimmy Garoppolo running that thing right <laughs> feasibly and it's because it also would impact the run game a lot. You, yeah. You'd get favorable if you don't if you treat that like four wide receivers, you're just gonna they're gonna pound the rock and that'd be and it. all
1: four of those guys are a threat to carry it. Like yeah. as,
0: as designed parts of the run game. Oh man. It'd be wild. Now I'm now I'm rooting for that, Mike. Right. I'm rooting for pits to the Niners. Um, how about offensive line? Panay Sewell's our top guy, number four overall. We're seeing a lot of mock drafts where he's not the top t- top tackle off the board. Are people over is this one of those the biggest red flags? No red flags, therefore I can't trust this guy. What is happening? in these Kuiper and Jeremiah these other mocks
2: so he's not I mean Ray, Rashawn Slater is the guy you, you see guys like Daniel Jeremiah um, and Lance your having above Penny Sewell and he is better at the tackle position like the skill of playing tackle he's more skilled player at tackle no one holds a candle to what Penny Sewell can do athletically the crazy thing to me is Sewell has lost weight since he got to college he came in 360 and if you watch his tape, you would swear just by watching a move that he's like 305, 310. He is 330 pounds and was 19 years old the last time we saw him play football. The fact like that alone and that he's not the most technically advanced, but he was 19 years old again. It's kind of like Kyle Pitts. Like he's not an inline blocker yet, but he's a kid still, you know, and he's doing these things to the edge rushers he's facing. So I. I I cannot get on board with that assessment of that tackle position. Ray Salon Slayer is great, great player. I think he'll be a solid tackle. Probably could be an elite guard or center in the NFL. Penny Sewell could be, you know, the best tackle in the NFL for the next decade plus with how physically imposing he is.
1: How are you generally handling the concept of this weird year where a bunch of people sat out and didn't play? Ah, right, we sucks. saw we saw a lot of guys. Be amazing a year ago and then decide mm-hmm. it's not worth the risk i'm going to sit out and prepare for the draft what are you like in a vacuum what are you doing with that
2: i assume most people get better you know over the course of their college careers we didn't see it so it's easy to be like out of sight out of mind they're whatever they didn't play this year but a lot of guys develop at least something maybe not in a grading perspective but they will Physically, and they've obviously had nothing else to do but work out with mm. weights, so you can expect some physical development f- for those guys. So, just trying my best to not in my head underrate right what we saw. So, the minimum, you're not like dinging them exactly. for sitting a I year. Wouldn't, right? I'm not dinging I'm probably, any probably sitting
1: a year. Probably
2: projecting like some slight marginal development yeah. to these guys who are yeah. already amazing. Like the biggest one to me is Walker Little from Stanford because it's been two years. He's played one game the last two years. The tackle. Yeah, he was. In Matt Miller's preseason mock heading in twenty nineteen, he was the number two overall pick in his preseason mock. Wow! Like that's how highly he was thought of at that time.
0: He's but played seventy two played snaps. Two thousand eighteen.
2: So yeah. it's like, how can your opinion be that high on a guy when we see like offensive tackles don't go backwards? Also, you know, like the, you don't get worse. There's not a lot of offensive tackles that peak yeah. grading wise as a true sophomore. So, I think he might be one of the, one of the most underrated players in this draft class in terms of the guy's physical talent. It's legit maybe the second best you know, like sort of like
0: physical skill set after Penny soul in this draft class we just like never saw him develop though there are nine tackles in our top 40 walker little's one of them so apparently you really like the tackle class good think tackle it's good uh, deeper than last year not the high end but deeper uh philosophical question here that we've touched on a lot here on the podcast the bengals sitting at five and oh, yeah. you know i we all live in Cincinnati, and I think every Bengals fan's like, man, we really just – they're, they're trying to figure out ways for Panay Sewell to fall. Is that their best bet, or are they better going – I've had this theory that they should go wide receiver and maybe attack the offensive line either in free agency a little bit and a little bit more in the second round and other parts of the draft. Do you have a, a strategy there that you would prefer maybe for the Bengals? I would prefer Panay Sewell. Yeah. I, I, I don't
2: think he makes it there. I think NFL teams will agree that he's too rare for his position – so if I'm drafting, and I don't think quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, and so one guy will be a skilled position there not a non-quarterback. And if you're drafting any non-quarterback in this draft class, I don't see how you're passing on Penny Sewell with how many teams need tackles whatnot. So I think Penny Sewell, Sewell will be off the board. The interesting thing, though, that Mike Quinn, actually producer uh, of the PFF 241 Drafts podcast, said and brought up is the Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, to keep Joe Burrow happy sort of thing. We see guys hmm. like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, seemingly unhappy with their situations. Do you go Jamar Chase just because he has that connection? Because, you know, Cincinnati's not, uh, they know about quarterbacks wanting to get the hell out of Cincinnati. That's not an uncommon thing here. (laughs) They gotta do whatever they can to make them happy. I think that's a real thing. And I also think that Jamar Chase is good enough that I'd be willing to sit if I'd be like, okay, I'll take Jamar Chase. I mean, also that
1: if you're going to, you know, when you're projecting a receiver to the NFL, it can't hurt to pair him back up with his college quarterback, right? Like. at the very minimum,
2: you're probably going to be getting the maximum out of him that you could possibly get by pairing him with that guy. And, and a lot of their production was chemistry-based. He wasn't yeah. always open the times so he was getting big plays on the field. Um,
1: generally, sort of conceptually speaking, right, there's been a theory recently that, look, wide rec- every year is a great wide receiver draft year at this point, the, the whether it's the not, effect- of, Not next
2: year, next year's gonna suck.
1: <laughs> whether it's the effect of, of spread offense, whatever it is, there's a ton of them almost every single year. Have we reached the point now where you should start to game that in the draft and say, in the second round, I'm going to get a good wide receiver anyway. I don't need to take a receiver in the first. I don't certainly not in the top ten picks. I can start targeting guys like Penny Sewell and you know other positions because I can come back in the second round and get Michael yeah. Thomas. Or Scarcity get, question. Right? Yeah, yeah. Whoever it is. Okay. Uh,
2: I. Th- that's a thing. It, it certainly is at the receiver position. I felt good enough last year about Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb that I was like, those guys just the floor is so high that sure, just get it like a lot of first round picks bust anyway I don't think those guys are going to bust they're too good I feel that way about Chase Waddlesmith in this class they're too good that if you're 11 Giants need a wide receiver just take one they're like you can wait to the second but then the odds there are like everyone talks about you know Chase Claypool is great KJ Hamler wasn't quite as great in the second round like they're not every set the, the hit rate at that time is just not nearly as high there's also a deal with Drew Locke fair um, But I think the safety of those top three. After that, though, yeah, if I'm at those guys are off the board, I'm at 15 on the Patriots. I'm waiting. I'm 16 on the Cardinals. I'm waiting. I'm not going to reach for any of those other guys because.
1: i Not hoping hell then, the
2: Patriots are spending a first round pick on a wide receiver again ever.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, so, those guys aren't their type. They're, you know, good. They get open. Yeah. <laughs> They're good. Let's talk defense a little bit. The last few years, um, since PFF started, there's seemingly always been a defensive end or a defensive tackle that has just dominated. That is just, you know, either two bosses, Miles Garrett, Chase Young, especially at Edge this year, there's not that guy. There's not mm-hmm. that generational guy that shows up every single year, right? At Edge. How does the defensive line class look? And just our top two guys, Quiddy Pay from Michigan and Christian Barmore from Alabama, are 11th and 14th on the draft board, where usually we have a guy in like the top five, right? Yeah. It's.
2: The edge class is gonna be really interesting. Defense attack class, it is Barmore, and then there might not be anything else. Like, it, it, you can get a run defender in Tyler Shelvin. You, like, there's not. There, if you told me there's not another guy in this defense attack class that can actually rush the passer in like three years from now, <laughs> wouldn't be surprised. There's just not a ton of talent in this defense attack class. So if you need one, like desperately, Barmore's your option. Uh, edge is much different. Edge, there's uh, maybe the most athletic edge class since we started grading in PFF. Like these guys, Quitty Pay was number one on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Carlos Basham, 38th player on the board, was number two. And Jalen Phillips, Gregory Rousseau, Jason Owe has been in the top 10 on Bruce Feldman's freaks list for back to back years now. He runs a 4 3 at 255 pounds reportedly. Wow. Like there are legitimate freaks in this class. Zizo Gilari, too, is probably the best speed rusher in this class. Ronnie Perkins, probably going to run the 4.5s from Oklahoma. It is a freaky edge class none of the guys were that productive though you know like no one like we mentioned young bosa garrett pass rushing grades in the 90s for multiple years no one was in the 90s in this i don't believe no one had a pass rushing grade over 90 of any of those top guys so that's like you're banking on development is going to be massive with this edge class but there is a lot of athletes that have that skill set so i think If I need one, I'm taking one of them in the first round. So, like, that, there, I, it might not happen right away, but I think in a few years down
1: the road. NFL teams love that, it. though. Like, yeah. Edge more than any other position. Yeah. They're like, just give me the freaky athlete. I know how to coach them to yeah. be a great player. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, they were trying to talk themselves out that. of the bosses. Oh, yeah. you know, they've maxed out. Maxed out yeah. at all pro yes, level. They've, they've <laughs> maxed out as top five edge rushers. There's
1: no right? more room for me to do anything with this guy. He's already an all pro. I can't do anything with that.
0: Yeah. This will be fascinating because, you know, longtime listeners of the podcast or two for one will know when we talk about our grades, we feel much better about projecting defensive line grades right they they yeah. are some of our most consistent grades from college to the nfl so this being a class of freak athletes who don't have the best production and guys like Rousseau, who we expected to take a step forward but then opted out okay. right and he's only there, when, I, when i've been when i've been writing notes on these guys there's a lot of notes that said only has 700 career snaps only has yeah. 800 career snaps right there, you usually have 1500 snaps of these defensive linemen right two full seasons at least so this feels like one of those where there's going to be some home runs there'll be some swings and misses and it'll depend on that athleticism and how these guys develop yeah
2: yeah it's and that's why i think you'll see rankings all over the map and trying to project where these guys go in this edge class is going to be a nightmare because it's going to be about body type like and what you want in your defense pretty much in terms of making the decision between Like we have quiddy Pay at 11, 08, 19 on the draft board, and then five more guys in the top 40. It's like, and they're all, like I said, all freak athletes And that. I think you could see the lowest guy in our list, be the high Carlos Basham at 38, be the highest guy on some people's boards just because of what they want, he's a different skill set.
1: Number six on your big board, you have a linebacker. And I think you said something along the lines of, he's the best linebacker prospect we've seen come out since
2: we've been doing PFF college grading. And so Michael Parsons, Penn State, the interesting thing about Parsons, if we called him an edge rusher, he's six foot three, six foot four, 245 pounds. He might be edge one in this draft class, too. It's like the wow. biggest selling point with Parsons. He is really? a monster. Runs in the four fours at 245. Uh, second highest run defense grade we've ever given behind Reuben Foster as a true sophomore back in 2019 before opting out. Long, like, plus plus athlete. Not a ton of experience and coverage, like they spot drop zone in Penn State's defense. Not great when projecting in the NFL. Like you don't spot not a lot of teams spot drop zone in the NFL. So he's gonna it's gonna be very different. But if he goes to a s- scheme where he's just you know run defense, rush the passer, blitzer guy, he's awesome. Like so, Like him taking on blocks is as good as we've seen college linebackers. Minus
0: the plus plus athlete part, I feel I'm hearing you describe a Dante Hightower it, because you don't. You, people used to make this mistake all the yeah. time teams run a three four and they have two outside linebackers rush which is again uh-huh. a completely that's an edge rusher that's completely different from a linebacker you don't have linebackers who rush off the edge they're rare yeah. Dante Hightower is one of the few guys we that can do, do that I mean there's Ahmad Brooks did it back in the day is that the type of player I looking think at?
2: so and he's like even con- he's he said he will play like edge like he considers himself also an edge rusher
0: oh Mike Parsons
2: he's He's just very good.
1: They what do you gotta, think? Um, so, linebacker. This so obviously this year in the NFL, record points, yards, everything was off the charts in terms of offense. I don't know how much of that was nixing holding and how much it was just insane explosion. But linebacker seemed to be the position that was lit on fire the most. Right, yeah. they, those guys just got relentlessly attacked, and consequently, there were like three good linebackers in the NFL. Right, because they're the only three that could hold up mm-hmm. in those kind of scenarios. Does that ding the value of a guy like Micah Parsons? Because right now, linebackers just can't hold up. Or do you? Well, we don't even know if that's going to yeah. be like the way it
2: goes, right, in the future, or if they they revert to type next year. Well, I think they're also under attack. The way offense are being constructed with more play action. Yeah, it's yep. just a difficult position. And so I do think the difference makers. It's almost mm-hmm. like the anti opposite of tight end, where it's like the three difference makers of tight end are so valuable the few difference makers at linebacker, I think, are so valuable. Like, we saw what Devin White did in the Super Bowl. Like, the guys that are actually athletic and can make plays all over the field, you now Devin White's had his struggles prior, but, like, the guys that have that caliber and can do those number of things, I think, are still, like, worthy of a top 10 pick. Now, obviously, there's still, like, the, is Mike Parsons, will he translate? We've, not, again, not seen too much on him two years as a player, haven't seen him since 2019, but he has the sort of skill set to honestly really do whatever you want at linebacker
1: does it change the type of linebacker you're even looking for in college like are team's gonna be focusing more on those guys that play that overhang position that doesn't really exist in the nfl where fred warner played in college um rather yeah. than going for like a traditional linebacker because this point those are the guys with the biggest difference in role describe yeah. the- describe
0: overhang really quick for slot listeners. yeah it's like
1: this sort of slot slash linebacker hybrid that only exists in college with the super wide hash marks where you're going to be playing like the field side with a giant area of real estate to cover it does, doesn't really exist in the nfl because there's never that much space to cover so there's a ton of these guys in college that play that role and a lot of the times you can grade really well because you're never going to see blockers right you are just you're out in the space the whole time so if you're you're a good athlete in space you're going to end up looking pretty good. In in the NFL, it's more of a hybrid or it's more of a conventional linebacker role, but you have that experience of operating in space, which is Mm -hmm. coverage in
2: broad terms. Yes, and I agree that those are the guys, the guys that play really well in that role, or I think the guys you want to covet more because the taking on of blocks is not the valuable part of playing linebacker anymore. It is the being able to cover a slot receiver if that's what comes into your territory or, like, your matchup zone, whatever. That's what – so, I mean, Jabril Peppers played that role for Michigan, and he ended up at safety. Warner played that at BYU, ends up at linebacker. Jeremiah Usocoromoa played that role at Notre Dame. He's probably going to end up at linebacker, and I agree. Those guys, like, that's a skill set. Being able to play in space is the skill set you want at linebacker nowadays. Depending, again, on your scheme, if you're really going to blitz the heck out of your off-ball linebackers – a little different but yeah i think it Moa. that's why you see the nfl being like oh he's 215 pounds we don't care he
0: has what we want yeah so he's he's 18th on our board jok for short notre dame um you're a you're a golden homer sometimes when you're ranking these guys but i think 18th was fair for him people are higher on him than i am yeah i mean there's there's talk about him in the top 10 yeah um, i know a guy like jeremy chin for the panthers didn't grade great for us but i think that was because of what sam was saying what you guys were saying like he's in a challenging role like he literally played slot slash safety slash linebacker and he'll probably develop in yeah. that role and jok seems like that same type of uh, player, player that could do yep. that type of thing right um he flies around the field man he so explosive he reminded me just for you know since we're create, changing the way we comp here troy Palomalu as far as just Falls to the wall flying around the field making stuff happen that's what so you're going to me. find
1: a uh, fictional guy to
2: compare him to so he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list also and he had one of the craziest numbers he did 42 pull-ups at 215 pounds wow whoa which is like I I don't know how it's even possible like that's obviously I don't know how it even translates to a football field but 42 pull-ups means you're a, a different level or freak whatever your yeah. weight is I
0: think the next PFF podcast should be hosted by Neil and he just workout. interviews all the freaks talks about their workouts workout. pff workout we we'll just
1: ask them how many reps they can do with
2: obscure that's Neil's yeah, yeah. like that's what he was born
0: that would keep him busy too yeah that would keep him busy yeah can we that's, set that up please can we get the uh, neil hornsby podcast going here we'll get all the feldman's freaks list it's really to a talk plan to without any drawbacks and he'll get guys that like dropped like so, how'd you drop 30 pounds did you Let's ever talk see diet.
1: did you ever see the video of fletcher cox doing pull-ups no like at 310 or whatever it is yeah. fletcher cox is repping pull-ups without problems i don't know how many he got to but i'm pretty sure it was like over double digits oh, wow. pulling 310 pounds good lord that's yeah. and and plus that dude's long as hell like it's not like he's dealing with stumpy little arms where he's not traveling far yeah that was pretty crazy taller hurts yeah on pull-ups for sure. my
0: old uh, workout partner goster Charles. Yeah, six eight three twenty five. i saw him do eight
1: by the way one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life was steve doing pull-ups um at one wow. pe- at one point there was me austin Gale, and steve and we were you know one, one after the other doing reps of pull-ups and so you got the pull-up bar up here austin would go up to it jump up mm-hmm. catch himself so he's like a foot off the ground now and then do his pull-ups right Dude, wow. i would go up to the thing basically on on tiptoes i can grab hold and then i start Steve goes grabs the bar drops like a foot (laughs) sinks towards the ground having
0: taken uh, you know he's touching the ground yeah
2: I couldn't do a pull-up until senior high school I did not lift weights I was weak
0: pull-ups aren't easy they're not well not when you're
2: your size and length
0: they're not I got up to seven or eight at one point in my life (laughs) so anyway let's go to the secondary Uh, Caleb a cornerback Caleb Farley we have number one Patrick Sertan number two Uh, 13th and 16th respectively on the draft board this feels like one that's pretty I I don't always keep up with the other draft boards around what is the perception around the league I feel like Sertan is kind of the consensus top guy right and we have Farley ahead of him I think
2: Farley's ahead of him on a lot of boards I've seen Farley's he's like the he has the tools he runs a likely in the four threes six two 207, long. It's just like that Virginia Tech didn't really do him any favors in terms of, like, projecting to the NFL and what he was asked to do. I think he only played – I should know the number off the top of my head. It was, like, 33 snaps in press man coverage his entire college career. Yeah. just, like, Patrick Sertan has, I think, over 400 snaps in press man coverage his college career. Like, you saw him do what you're going to want him to do in the NFL. But he's not athletic. Like he he might run a 4.6. He is not that four caliber. Six. He's just slow. That's- and then you got.
1: Has somebody done the comp between, or not the comp, the the like evaluation side by side between Patrick Sertan one and Patrick Sertan two? I've not,
2: I've not seen that. I don't. Actually, of, I was too young for Patrick yeah. Sertan to really uh, a get a handle on his game. game.
0: Baller, yeah. A lot of um, a lot of children, a lot of NFL <laughs> children in this. Uh, I know this one. So in this draft, Sertan's
2: cornerback right? too obviously, you know who his father is. J.C. Horn's father is Joe Horn. Joe Horn. And then Asante Samuel Jr.'s father, who's number four corner
0: on our board, obviously Asante Samuel Sr. Crazy, yeah. Sertan, um, he never feels like he's out of phase down the field, though, which I think is no. interesting. I mean, that's like he's, he's very
2: good at maintaining like contact, and yes, yeah. which is Dang.
0: It's a huge
1: yeah. part of offsetting speed, right? Yeah. Like Sherman, no, no, sure no. Was it? It was uh and Howard on Chris Collinsworth's podcast was saying, Look. Like it doesn't matter if you run a four three. I'm not going to let you run four three past me like right. that. As long as and that's what Sherman has always been so good at throughout his career. Like Sherman with his four fives, high five, mm-hmm. four fives or whatever he ran. Like it doesn't matter. There was nobody. There was never any period where a guy who ran a four three ever got a clean run around Sherman. So it doesn't matter how much faster you run than him. And that's like it's the thing that you use to offset the speed differential.
0: Those two, those two at the top, I think are going to be really interesting mm-hmm. to see how they're valued because you said Farley's got all the tools: six-two, fast, make up speed for days. That shows up on film. Sertan is so patient; doesn't he just knows how to play the ball in the air for the most yeah. part. You know, like he does a lot of things really, really well there. If those are the top two corners, is the, is the rest of the class all over the place? We usually we usually throw a ton of corners in the first round mm-hmm. because of their value. We only have one other guy, and it's JC Horn at yeah. twenty three, and we're talking Asante Samuel, Tay Gowen, Tyson Campbell. What's going on with the rest of the class? Where Samuel's are the strengths just and weaknesses? Small. There? Like he's very small. I think he's still playing on the
2: outside, maybe not in every scheme, but like he got even thrown around by college wide receivers. As soon as you see that, it's a red flag that's gonna happen more at the NFL. Horn is just really up and down player, like a lot of penalties on his tape, overly physical, like that college yeah. corner that's just Taking advantage of the rules to a fault, that as soon as he gets to the NFL, when you're not able to do that, is it going to is is he still going to stick with wide receivers? This is the big thing. So they they have their lumps in those two regards, but I, I don't love the cornerback class after that. Then it goes all the way fifty to take Allen is our cornerback five. I just think these guys are kind of all like day two skill sets. I just didn't see sort of
0: you know performance on tape for a lot of these guys gowan 6-2 tyson campbell 6-2 aaron robinson exactly from ucf like listed at 6-1 with with a little he's got the t-rex arms going yeah. there's our first t-rex arm inch. discussion uh greg newsom's listed at 6-1 melifonwu from syracuse 6-3 there seems like there's some big Mel corners huge. sam's biggest pet peeve every year is six foot corners artificially being moved up because they're not good but they're big
1: it was only when I have to go through this sequence of useless six-foot-plus corners and tape and evaluate them all as being terrible. That's that's what was annoying.
0: Is that where we are, though? No, that's the thing. It's like they're not rounds. useless.
2: It's kind of like the edge class where it's like those guys have the tools. Did they play great football yet? Mm, not quite really. Like that's that's the biggest thing. That's why Gowan's fifth on our cornerback board because I think he runs like in the four threes. The guy can fly at six two. And he's he played really good football. One year though, at UCF, but he played some damn good football.
1: I'm kind of coming around to the idea though, like this: the number of these giant freakish wide receivers in the NFL. Like, if you are five ten and 180, when you have to go up against DK Metcalf, right? And you're like, you now are six inches and 50 pounds bigger than me. And even if I run as fast as you, like if we're comparable four threes, like just the just the sheer physics disadvantage you have over that guy at any point in the play is insane. So I, I kind of get why you're chasing the six foot corner. That's 200 pounds
2: and can run. Like it's your only hope against a guy like that. That's I mean, Legere Sneed was that guy six-1, like 195, long arms fourth three fast. Yeah. And like in today's NFL, I think more so than ever before like Chris Ballard's been on record saying we want guys that can recover. And yeah. they, like guys are going to make mistakes. You're going to get put in shitty situations at yeah. cornerback where, you know, you get a switch release and you're all of a sudden chasing from behind. We need guys that gonna, that are going to be able to make up that ground now more than ever. Um, and so, yeah, the speed, the length, I think it is very valuable at
0: cornerback. Quick philosophical question on that because, Sam, you and I have talked about this, right? Is it is it unfair sometimes to corner – to pos- if you look at NFL positions, right, mm-hmm. you have reactive – proactive types of positions right yeah so receiver is a proactive position right you're dictating the action Mm -hmm. corner you're reacting right is it are we harsh in evaluating reactive positions tackles offensive linemen in general they have to pass protect Mm -hmm. corners they have to respond to receivers are we harsh on them because you try to say well they get beat this way they get they get beat that way and are we too kind to receivers because you're like hey i know this guy is limited but i can put his skill set as wide receiver three and get value out of him. Oh. How do you balance the, what a guy can do and can't do when it comes to that different position types? I think on the there's
2: also something though, in terms of how good you feel about a guy when he dictates terms and does it well. Yeah. You know, cause he's dictating terms against 12 different skill sets over the course of a season in terms of like the tackles he's facing or the cornerbacks he's facing. Um, and if he beats all of them at a high level, like, you feel good. Like, he's done it against a lot of guys. Whereas cornerback, yeah, you're – sometimes you just won't see them – like, what's the best way to phrase it? Like, if you're always reacting, um, sometimes you're not put in a situation where it's a difficult to react, uh, I guess. It's, yeah, so, Like, it's, like yeah. it's not a difficult it's, reaction that you have to make.
1: But it's also – it's easier to cater to a guy's um, – limited to the to to the limitations of a player on offense than it is on defense right like if you have a wide receiver that can't do four different things you don't have to put him in a situation where he doesn't do those four different things He can still have a really useful role within your offense and it doesn't hurt anything if you have a cornerback that can't do four different things and suddenly you face a team where those four things are all they do now you're screwed now that guy can't play play. and that's what i mean
0: it's not even a philosophical thing it's just like the nature of football right so we can look at a third round wide receiver and say I know how I'm going to use this guy. That's valuable. If you have a third round corner, he's in the third round because he probably has enough warts that you're like, man, I need to hide him and only let him do one or two things that he does well. It's just, yeah, it's like the defensive lineman. Oh, he can't. He's not, he doesn't do well in stunts. Well, then we don't stunt that right. draft. Offensive tackle. He doesn't do well in stunts. Sh- shit out of luck. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> right. in trouble. A stunt, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't dictate. It's just, it's a, it's just an interesting discussion to me. And you're, you, you know, we always say creep back to an average on the offensive line. That's why it's like you just. Get guys who aren't terrible at everything right and maybe corner is a little bit like you just don't want kevin king with the packers mike like he got attacked why left and right sorry but i mean he got attacked yeah right and if you have a weakness in the secondary or a weakness on the offensive line like the chiefs did or like the packers did down the stretch here you can get attacked Uh, let's wrap it up with some safety talk Two tcu guys at the top you love these guys and I'll tell you the guy I love who's only forty eighth on your board. We're gonna get him into the top thirty two by the end of the show. Oh, okay. Uh Trayvon Morig. I think he's pretty much universally agreed upon
2: as top safety. It's not there's not a ton of top end talent safety class. I think Moerig is that guy. Explosive, fast, tall, long, led the men's seal pass breakups each of the last two seasons. He's got the production. He's just like solid. He's a little stiff. He's not gonna be your Go man the slot, go versatile, whatever, do anything, Tyron Matthew type. He's kind of like quarters are deep type of guy, but he's good in that role. I feel good about him. So I think he ends up going in the first round. Or Darius Washington's his teammate, that not a lot, not everyone's not gonna be everyone's cup of tea, because he is 179 pounds. He's five foot eight. He is tiny. <laughs> but man, his tape, he's like as good as it gets at the cornerback position on tape. He doesn't make mistakes in coverage. He doesn't have coverage busts. He doesn't, you know, bite on double moves. He doesn't. He only allowed, I think, something like one hundred seventy yards in his entire college career. That guy is just solid as can be. And I think at some point, yes, he will be the lightest at one hundred seventy nine pounds. He'll be the lightest safety ever weighed in at the combine. Wow, ever, ever. And no, we have Tyron forty-two was, on the draft board, and yeah, it's small, but Tyron Matthew plays at like one eighty-five. Like that, it's not unprecedented. And I think in this day and age, even more so, not necessarily what we talk about everyone you want the space player, not the taking on of blocks guy, not as big. And he's he's athletic. Like he's not he's not undersized and lacking speed or whatever. Like he has
0: that part of the game too. So I I think he's going to overcome his size. Our Darius Washington, another guy that has about a thousand snaps to his name in college but his college coverage grade when compared to recent guys that have gone to the NFL like he's above the 90th percentile in pretty much everything yes. you would you would rank uh going to the NFL. My guy is Elijah Molden from Washington, 48th awesome. on the board right now. He's 5'10, 190. He he does remind me a little bit of a Tyron Matthew type cuz he's played the slot. He played a little safety he's probably not as clean there but i Mm -hmm. I think he's the best slot you've said said he's He's the best slot cornerback in this draft i'd say so i think he lands somewhere between like a mike hilton really good solid slot and Mm a tyron matthew which if that is the case if i'm right there he's like a top he's one of the top 32 most valuable players in this draft so true yeah i think
2: we might be underrating him from a value perspective in terms of boom
1: i mean you just move described
0: uh micah hyde right that's basically the player Ooh, you've just yeah. summed up and micah hyde would be a top 32 player right in this if you knew you, you were
1: getting micah hyde in the yeah.
0: draft
2: in any given draft he would probably be in the first round so move him up mike fix the draft board i'll move him up yeah i i agree with that it's a sentiment i just don't want to have him
0: above washington washington's a better player you love washington did you have oh, a soft spot so for him just go up from the steve all right any other high level thoughts with the draft? general strengths and weaknesses or trends or strategy i just just... think the
2: quarterback is going to be interesting yeah like it is lawrence fields wilson and lance have like we had we haven't seen a quarterback class with this kind of tools in i don't know like whatever since 99 when they went one two three um I don't even know that I wasn't doing draft stuff back then. Who's Achilles Smith in this draft? <laughs> <laughs> don't draft him. I don't know who it is. Can't Who's like Cade McNally? I'll tell you in two draft. years who it is. But <laughs> um, you know, I, I I just think where they come off the board, and like we haven't seen the moving up of guys since that 2018 year. Everyone moving up and wanting to get their guy. I think we do see it this year. I think who? teams are going to go attack.
0: Well, uh,
1: quarter, so the, the top end of those quarterbacks is great. Who is your favorite, like, mid-round flyer?
2: I like Davis Mills from Stanford. Okay. it's a five-star. Not – I don't love any of the mid-round guys. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a guy. Yeah, I mean, they're mid-round seems, for a reason. Yeah, like, Tresh likes <laughs> Jamie Newman. I, I don't quite see it with him. But Davis Mills, only 10 starts, gets the ball out of his hands, doesn't take sacks, fairly accurate with football, not a can for an arm. But he looks the part. He's like 6'5", six five, two thirty. Uh, I think he can. Mm-hmm. Right? He can. Yeah, he can play in the NFL, right? And if you're in the mid round quarterback, that's
0: that's basically as, yeah, as good as you're get. Yourself. Yeah. There was a point in Kellen Mond's career. I thought he was gonna get that first round hype just because of the size and the tools, a little athleticism. Never yeah. really developed. But again, this he is recent player. development of toolsy quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Does Kellen Mond get late hype here? Number one twenty eight on <laughs> our board right now, by the way. I think he might. I think he ends up going in the third,
2: making the plays hype.
1: in the Senior Bowl. The look, game
2: itself, he, he looked better in the Senior Bowl than I've very much anticipated. So it's, but like man, he talk about not. To, he was the same guy as a sophomore, as he was as junior, as he was as senior. There yeah. was just nothing different to his game,
0: and so to be fair, was, that's yeah. how Justin Herbert was. But Justin Herbert, oh, Josh Rosen was better. Josh Rosen was exactly the same yeah. as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. You got anything
2: is, else, Sam?
1: well that's like the draft in a nutshell right it's that you can essentially paint the
0: exact argument for two completely diametrically yeah. opposed it's all awesome. situations it's awesome. and why the whole thing remains a crapshoot i'm in the middle i'm working with the, the r&d team we're doing a little research on that and hopefully we'll, fix it we'll, well we're gonna see what the results come we're, we're looking at one year wonders and we're going to look at guys that peaked their second to last year, right? And those guys, every year we evaluate, we're like, man, what do I do with – like, Jameis Winston was way better as a redshirt freshman than he was as a redshirt sophomore. And you're like, what do you do with that type of analysis? uh, Is there any signal there, or is it just, I don't know, noisy? And trying to look into some of that stuff. Those are the guys I hate, the guys that peak their second last season
1: and then Mm -hmm. go backwards. And you're like, I have no idea what to do with them. I agree
0: that was good Mike tell everybody about two for one drafts and and what you guys are up to
2: oh yeah follow two for one drafts three podcasts a week me and Austin Gale we you guys are flying
0: up the rankings I I pulled
1: up the iTunes list the other day you guys are like top something
2: like high within the top 100 I think top 100 podcast there that's all you need to know it's a top 100 podcast in sports about football uh, and rookies mainly football and rookies I mean it's draft draft time now it's draft 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 time now we'll hit on free agency a little bit but more like team needs that sort of thing Um, and then get a draft guide it's the best draft guide that's i think ever existed
1: it is you. really good i mean i i you know more than anybody mike i i don't want to compliment you if at all possible but
2: this is it's great stuff i used to get draft guides for my birthday every year growing up i was born april 27th so that was right around draft time and if i would have gotten this for my birthday growing up i would have been way more informed <laughs> and knew who the packers were going to pick instead of wasted guess who the packers gonna pick like write down five guys i think i got in like 15 years i got two guys so outside the first round so
0: this one you can get more than that that's great man you would have skipped pff and gone right to the nfl too with all this information so uh check out the draft guide and uh, i'm proud of seeing how much it's grown after we used to you know throw it together with old pff green and it's still a pdf which spider like. charts but it's getting better and better and we're trying to throw all that information yeah. on the website too for our mm-hmm. edge and elite subscribers so uh grab edge and elite the draft guide comes with it go check that out check out two for one and uh, maybe we'll have you back on as the uh as draft season heats hey, up mike if you guys will have me i'll be here appreciate it all right thanks to everybody for tuning in we'll be back on monday Full off-season mode now, we'll be telling your team. Tell me how your uh, team's going to get better. Yeah, no games. No football games to review. And go check out the PFF NFL Daily. That's where we hit on the Russell Wilson stuff. Those comments, QBs trying to play Madden Franchise Mode. It's all on the PFF NFL Daily this week, so go check that out. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Good wave. Good wave, Sam. You're so friendly. Mm -hmm. Everybody.